HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by 818 Tequila, delicious and smooth tequila, made in harmony with the earth. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhasset, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. I'm the host here. It's Tuesday, July 26, 2022, recording online. And let's introduce our guests, uh, John. Oh, am I introducing myself? Well, you can say your name and, you know, yeah. a little bit about I'm you. John Hall. I'm the editor of All About Beer, and I am the author of several books, including the most recently released, The Craft Brewery Cookbook, which is available where all fine books are sold. It's nice to be back with you, Jimmy. It's been a while. Oh, man. It's nice. It's nice to give our listeners a chance to identify with your voice. Uh, and Todd? Uh, yeah, I was going to say I'm John Hall, too, but since you said I'm Todd, I'm, I'm going to tell you who I actually am. <laughs> you uh, the guy John? from Goose Island? <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> uh, John, you have a nice uh, radio voice. Like, seriously, it's really good. I've, been, I've, I've thought about it since I listened to the podcast last time, and then now hearing you again, I'm like, man, this guy's got a silky smooth voice. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. My name is uh, Todd DiMatteo, and I'm the head brewer and one of the owners at Good Word Brewing and Public House in Duluth, Georgia. All right. So it's great having you guys on. Yes, John, I'm going to give some props to him. John, I've known you for many years, uh, and you've had many hats, but always as an editor and writer and someone I respect a lot. I remember a number of years ago, we were on a WNYC live show, and you came in with your, you know, you had your bow tie on. You looked at me and said, Jimmy... They said, dress for the job you want. I, I love that that made such an impression on you and that that stuck with you all these years later. <laughs> well, it's it's true. And now, you know, now you're a publisher editor at the uh, All About Beer, which is qu- quite amazing. But we're going to talk about the craft. Let's go first with the craft beer okay. cookbook. So the reason that, you, that you're on and Todd's here, too, because we, we seems like this month we're talking about food and beer. Actually, last week I was in Boston. I was at Plant Pub, which is a plant-based hub across from Fenway Park. Um, so I think we'll be talking about food all this month, kind of like Fourth of July and grilling and all that. Um, you know, when I'm years ago, it must have been 10 years ago, your uh, American craft beer cookbook came yeah. out. And I remember I, I had a recipe yeah. in there. So uh, I wanted to talk about your new book. So the craft brewery cookbook, um, just a, a little bit about that. And, you know, what you've been doing, book tours and everything. And there's some recipes I want to talk about. And I'm sure that Todd has a lot to say about that book, yeah. too. So when the American Craft Beer Cookbook came out in 2012, beer was in a much different place. And, I mean, it, we weren't even talking about hazy IPAs. We weren't talking about kettle sours or fruited kettle sours. Um, pastry stouts were not a thing yet. Um, the The beer industry... And, and the beer marketplace was so different a decade ago that when I started thinking about 
how beer and food have evolved, I, I went back and I looked at that book and I said, boy, the recipes are still really good and people should still go out and buy a copy of it because it's available. But the recipes in there were really focused on excess because that's where craft beer was at the time. You know, we were in these ABV wars and these IBU wars where everybody was trying to go for as much of uh, as much booze and as much flavor as possible, you know, sort of shaking off all of those years of post-prohibition industrial light lagers ruling the roost. And in the last 10 years, we've seen the shift to lower ABV beers, like what Todd's making, and the non-alcoholic beers have entered into the conversation, and balance of flavors, and using single barrels uh, for things it ha has really sort of come into vogue with beer. And the recipes have changed too, because when people are going out, they're not necessarily looking for the high caloric meals. They're not looking for, you know, those eat, drink and be merry situations. They want something where, you know, they can have a nice brunch and then go about the rest of their day. And so this new book, the Craft Brewery Cookbook, which released, I guess, gosh, in, in May now at this point, um, really focuses on where we are right now with beer and food, which I think is is lighter fare, more inventive fare, and being able to pair the right beer with those dishes. Yeah, no, I was really happy with it. I have it on Kindle. I, I get most of my books on Kindle now. And um, just the first couple recipes, um, they, they're definitely very current and, and they seem more evolved than in your first book. Because it seemed like the first book, I, 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 even the recipe I submitted, I think I submitted an Elvis tea yeah. sandwich, which was basically like a peanut butter grilled cheese um, kind of thing. Um, the, just the first one, it's like the, the techniques are really good. Like, the ABLT, the avocado, bacon, lettuce, tomato, there's a candied bacon recipe. And I'm like, you know what? I need to make candied bacon. It's so much. First of all, <laughs> and there's it's another so much one with a biscuit yeah. recipe. Did, now, do you do all the recipes? I mean, have, have you evolved as as a like a cookbook author? I mean, I, I tested everything in the book, but much like with the, the last book, with the American Craft Beer Cookbook, um, I wanted to ask brewers and chefs at breweries and brew pubs or, you know, bars in the beer space um, to, to, to offer up recipes because so much of beer is still regional. So much of cuisine is still regional. And to really get a good picture of what's happening with American beer and food. I can't do that from suburban New Jersey where I live. So, you know, talking to folks like Todd or talking to folks like Murray and Will uh, from Chuckanut who who have that BLT salad, um, you know, or, you know, getting into, you know, even what Augie Carton is doing in, down the shore um, with, with, with his brewery or going down to Texas and Weathered Souls. You know, there, there's so much happening around the country and a book like this is a really great way to bring the different states and the different perspectives under one roof. What, what was something you learned from doing the book? Because I'm already like totally intrigued by the regions and, and the different dishes. Like one of them that stood out for me, the red chili sauce on the breakfast. Oh, burrito. yeah, that's from Beerstadt. From yeah. Beerstadt. Um, so what stood out for me? Yeah, I, I think a lot of what I've known all along, and I think that, that people know know this really well, um, if you've been around beer and food for a while, is you can make pairing suggestions, but those are not hard or fast rules. You can have, you know, all the book is separated into chapters like IPA or hoppy or you know, dark beers or Belgian inspired or you know, lagers and that kind of thing. But that's not to say that you can't take a recipe from the lager chapter and pair it with a Berliner Weiss or, you know, take something from the Belgian chapter and say, you know, I'm going to try a West Coast IPA with this because you might find something that works. And that's, I think, really been the cool thing about beer is that it's not precious and it's not trying to be precious. So we can offer flavors and tastes and pairings that we think work because we know that they work, but we're not going to say don't try anything else. And while I was doing this book, some of the original pairings that people offered up, they changed because I was cooking and I had all these beers in the kitchen and I'm, you know, just tasting stuff as I'm going along. And some, you know, every once in a while, something would strike me saying like, you know, yeah, the lager is really good with this, but boy, this Belgian quad is really kicking ass. And, you know, I'd have to call the <laughs> brewer and be like, so what do you think about this? And they'd be like, I never really thought about that. And, you know, sometimes there was horse trading and sometimes you had to, you know, uh, you know, figure it out. But I, I, it, that to me was was really the cool thing is that 
where we are with American beer right now and the quality that is coming out of you know a good number of breweries that are really trying hard and certainly the ones that are in the book uh, exemplify that. Um, and where we are with food right now is really just an exciting time. So finding those pairings that are unexpected is still a lot of fun, you know, even, gosh, 20 years on of, of, of writing about beer and food. Well, John, the, the, the way this book in particular is a very journalist uh, cookbook, and it's really great. I love that you you put each of these these people from the breweries on the spot and, and you stuck with it because it, I, I, I want to visit all those breweries now, too. So um, it's really it's really going to have a lot of legs. I think this this beer this book's going to be out there for. 10 oh, years. I appreciate so. that. Yeah. You know, and I, I it was fun to do this during the pandemic because I wasn't traveling like I used to and I wasn't on the road and uh, in these places you know, getting the inspiration. So a lot of it was done, you know, having co- phone conversations with brewers, uh, emails with brewers and chefs, and then you know trying to bring that back into into the home. And I feel like even as the pandemic wears on and, you know, sometimes we're traveling, sometimes we're not um, being able to bring regional flavors into our house uh, in uncertain times is, I think it's helping, you know, I think, you know, it, 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 food can be therapy. And this book certainly was for me as I was writing it. And I hope, you know, as people get a chance to flip through it, that they'll you know, bring these breweries into their kitchen in their own way and, and really enjoy it. Yeah, no, it's it, it's a real cookbook. Like it's definitely like even though I have it on Kindle, I'm gonna get it in hardcover just so I can keep it in my kitchen. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Serious. There's a biscuit recipe in there, kids. Red chili sauce, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then you travel down. So just since you were there, um, tell me about traveling to Duluth, Georgia, to Good Word Brewing. What were you doing there? Was that part of the book? Tour? It was part of the book tour. So yeah, I haven't been doing too much for the book, but um, uh, out out in the world, uh, just you know, because of the nature of the pandemic and and publishing and everything else these days. But um, I wanted to get Georgia on my list. Uh, I, I, I've had the good fortune of of knowing Todd now and, and meeting him a few times uh, in real life over the over the last few years. Um, and really tasting through his beers and just being so gobsmacked and blown away by them um, over and over and over again uh, that I knew I wanted Georgia on my list. And, you know, in addition to that, I mean, there's some other not to take. I know Todd's here, but I don't want to take away. You know, I, 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 I don't want to. Um, well, I, I also wanted to go to other breweries, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. I was excited to go to Todd's, but I also got over to New Realm, where Mitch Steele is these days. And Mitch, you know, had been at, at Stone for 10 years, and uh, they opened up that new brewery five years ago. And there's some other cool breweries like Orpheus uh, that I think is doing some really fun barrel-aged beers um, these days. And uh, as a journalist I, I, and somebody who likes to travel for beer, um, the metro Atlanta area has really exploded in the last couple of years with, with some really fun, um, some fun beer experiences and, and places. And so, um, being able to do a book event at Todd's was awesome. And that was you know, the main reason that I went down. Um, but being able to go and visit some other places was, was, was really cool and eye opening to see how Georgia and Atlanta has evolved as a beer scene. Wow. That's a great intro. Hey Todd. Um, so you had John, come down to good word brewing you're getting you're doing the right the whatever you're doing right with the press and media and everything um just tell us about that visit i know you're not supposed to talk about what happens <laughs> in, in in vegas but uh what was it like and what what kind of program did you have with, with john there you know was it a book signing yeah yeah so like john said you know we've met i think initially uh sending beer into wine enthusiasts where He's one of the editors there and uh, having him review my uh, my beers and we showed kind of a friendship in some ways. And uh, honestly, when he reached out about the book, I was blown away. I was, you know, honored and humbled, uh, as you might imagine, having a, a business um, that you're part of uh, be in there. Uh, my chef did the recipe, so I have nothing to do with that. But it's basically <laughs> an extension. <laughs> it's an extension of what we do pretty often is uh, beer dinner. So we. We started them out as like a supper club. We did, you know, one or two just with us. And we were like, this is cool. But since we do a lot of the same styles of beers and the same beers over and over, we need to, you know, involve other areas. So we've kind of changed that format a little bit with the beer dinner. We do roughly eight a year, once a month, um, between September and uh, and April. We choose a guest brewer um, and they, you know, travel or, or whatnot. Usually it's an out-of-state brewery. And 
they'll bring uh, three beers with them, and we do one welcome beer, which is typically a collab, and then two beers from Mott's. Um, but they're all uh, you know, paired with some really, really great menu items. I feel like our menu, as it is, is always really good. But like whenever we do a beer dinner, you can kind of see the depth uh, that our chef has. Um, and it's awesome. We have some really cool ones coming up. But anyway, so I just wanted to say that. So I didn't take any credit for that recipe. But, you know, being in that book was uh, amazing. But having John here was incredible. I met him uh, first, I think, in Nashville. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, only briefly. But, yeah, we did a book signing here, and it was awesome. We had a great turnout and hung out for several hours, and he was super gracious, you know, talked with a lot of our regulars and signed a bunch of books. So it was awesome. Todd, what was the recipe that, that you guys had in the book? Uh, what was that recipe, John? <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> Jimmy. You're putting us on the spot when neither of us have a copy in front of us, and it's... I'm uh, looking around. No, I've got a copy. I've got a copy. It's delicious is what it is. Yeah. And my my Kindle's off right now. No, that's all right. I got it. I got it. Thank you. I've got a book here. Yes, of course. What section is taught in? And what what beer did he have? What beer is with it? Uh, It was a porter, I believe, right? Yeah. 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 Um. (laughs) I think it was a... You you would think that we would have prepped for this and that I would have all of these these, these lined up. Well, that's why I got to get the hardcover because I have to have it in print. You got to flip through the pages. Yeah, so. they got me there. Sorry. A big plug. You got to get this in hardcover. Or the I'm gonna get the recipe tattooed on my cookbook. back now. I'm like, I'm not getting. No one's catching <laughs> me sleeping again, Jimmy. This is your iconic the, moment. Obviously, right, obviously, this, Jimmy. This was the uh, the warm farro mushroom and uh, romesco yes, salad uh, with right. roasted poblano sauce. Um, obviously, uh, from Good Word Brewing Company down there on Main Street in Duluth, Georgia. Um, <laughs> I I gotta say. And, 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 you know, book signings are always weird, right? Jimmy, you, you've hosted a bunch and you, you've, you've, you've been around for these things. Um, you never know what's, what's going to happen at them, but when you're at a place that when you immediately walk in feels comfortable, it doesn't matter if you're going to have one person or a hundred people. Um, and, and fortunately we had somewhere in the middle uh, of that, um, when, when I was there with Todd, um, but the, concept and the location and the vibe that Todd and his partners have put together is one of these great classic American beer bars uh, where you can also get cocktails and you can also get a great meal. But the second you walk in, you're like, yeah, I want to hang out here for a while. And, you know, for a long time, breweries, you know, we joke about this over on Steal This Beer all the time, but, you know, a a lot of time breweries, you know, would open up and they're like, okay, here's our metal stools, here's our Edison bulbs, here's our, you know, uh, our our plywood bar. and You know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, and this is, this is not that. You know, it is, it is thoughtful. There is always something interesting to look at on the walls. It never gets too loud, even when it's packed, because the acoustics are done well. Uh, you get these nice views of the city from a couple of different angles when you're there. Um, you know, the staff is on point. Like everything about it is, I feel like any beer nerd or just somebody who appreciates a good dining experience will walk in there immediately feel good. And then when they walk out several hours later, um, are going to feel completely justified in you know their bar tab. Um, and what they did. So I, you know, I, I'm not trying to, you know, overinflate Todd too much here, but you know, it's, it's, no, I haven't been on, out much, please, more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I haven't been out much in the last couple of years and, you know, showing up there and having that experience. Um, I really feel like brewers that are thinking about opening and are really committed to doing it right should take the detour down to Duluth and see what, what, what Todd and his team are doing. Um, and then try to, you know, make a lot of that, you know, their own, do it in their own image. But, um, that, that feeling, that vibe, that, uh, that it, it, you know, it's not quite genocide, but it's, it's, it, it, it's close. Um, there's just a lot of good thoughtfulness. Well, Todd, we, you give us a plug about where you came from. So you, you, you your gr- group started with a pub, right? Uh, yeah, so my Tom and Dave, uh, they're three of my partners, along with Brian Skinner and uh, Andrew Case. Uh, the three boys uh, started Brickstore Pub 25 years ago. Uh, so yeah, 97, when craft beer was still this, you know, sort of new idea, uh, definitely new in Georgia. Um, 
it's funny, even when I started there in 2005, they'd already you know, been around for nearly a decade. We would have crazy things on draft and it wasn't like a line or, you know, people tweeting about it or any kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, we had Canton on draft for you know, weeks and weeks. And now it's like, <laughs> you know, the lore and all this kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. It's funny. It was funny to kind of see beer go up and you guys kind of talked about it in the beginning, like the ABV and bitterness wars. It felt like that the beer had to had to do what it did and what's still trying to shake off is this like weird skin that it, it had to you know evolve to and become this kind of like caricature of itself in some ways not of course not everybody there's been plenty of people who have been making world-class beer and never you know did the goofy stuff that a lot of us have done but it feels like you know john said this um earlier that we're getting back to like just making really quality beer uh done well and, and balanced and we're not just tra- chasing some kind of you know instagram hype which is always going to be fleeting so it's it's good it's i love seeing big breweries put out english summer ales and there's a big brewery in georgia that just put one out and i'm like that's cool <laughs> that's really cool uh instead of the next you know marshmallow thing or whatever the fuck but anyway yeah, yeah. yeah. here yeah, and I mean, I I got to Brick Store as well, and 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 you know, I, obviously we missed forty three, Jimmy. We missed you know, we miss we miss your bar, um, and we've lost Falling Rock in the last couple of years, and you know, there, there's there's all of these these great beer bars where you know the the list was well curated and and people cared about the beer. Um, walking into Brick Store the day after I was at, at Todd's place, um, you know, was it wasn't even like walking back in time because. The, the place really does stay current. You know, they, they really are, they're, they're marching to their own, you know, beer drum beats, but it doesn't feel tired. It doesn't feel like it's an old man place or uh, a relic from another time. And, and it, it's, it's, I don't quite know how they do it because um, there is a, an entire Belgian wing uh, to the Brickstore pub and there is a cask ale bar. They have four beer engines uh, serving fresh cask ale. Um, Amazing. You know, and it's successful, like, which is beyond me that they can do that regularly. I, I had a lovely pint of Sierra Nevada Pale Ale on cask, and I don't know the last time, if ever, that I've had that. And here I am in, you know, again, you know, suburban Atlanta uh, or metro Atlanta, um, you know, drinking it at, you know, excellent service and clean lines. It, it's Brickstore is, again, one of those places that uh, long may it live. Well, let's let's talk a little more about good beer bars and pubs because there's definitely been an up and down. I know you've you've tracked it a little bit, John. You know, so many, you know, as more breweries had tap rooms, uh, more, more bars maybe didn't make it just as beer bars. But I remember, like, I remember in the '90s, there there there's a great chef who had was part of many restaurants called Wolfgang Puck, and in the '90s, the only place he opened that didn't make it was when he his group tried to do a brew pub. Now, I understand that that was the 90s, and, and the brewery operation was not their forte. But coming ahead now, and with your cookbook, the Craft Brewery Cookbook, I keep thinking, wow, there's good word brewing. What's a short list of places that you would say are hitting it on the, the nail, where, where they've got the pub or hospitality experience down um, as, as well as the beer? That's a great question. Um, you know, I, obviously, I, you know, I, I think Sierra Nevada um, comes to mind, both Chico and Mills River. I was in Mills River earlier this year um, and there. And I mean, there's a place that, you know, yes, you can get pale ale. Yes, you can get, you know, stout and all of the other traditional stuff. But they're always sort of pushing the boundaries uh, and trying new things on draft there. But their kitchen matches their food as well. And they they, they really do care about it um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a pretty deep way. Um, I'm trying to think of like who else, you know, out in Iowa, uh, there's a brewery called Single Speed that I've visited a couple of times uh, that really has a thoughtful kitchen, has a, a really environmentally conscious, uh, uh, forward-looking um, way about them, and their and their food sort of matches that as well. Um, 
gosh, I mean, there, there's 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 really quite a few. I mean, Trillium up in Boston and what uh, Esther and JC have done uh, with their water, uh, with their harbor location, um, you know, down on the Boston waterfront there. I, I, I guess it's called Fort Point. Uh, Fort yeah, Point. I'll attest to that um, one. And I'll just say the chef, chef there, Damien, uh, had been at more of a pub that had done a number of really great beer dinners. So that, that, that would be on my list. Um, then yeah. I'm going to take you to another, another step. Cause I think with this craft, right. craft fruit cookbook, it is going to inspire a lot of people. And I do, I do think it's hard to have breweries and, you know, to, to have a restaurant and food and do it equally as well. But I, I think that there's also, there must be um, looking at what's coming out of New Jersey, this recently in the news, there must be some, some laws that are also in play, right? Like, in New Jersey, you don't really find breweries with restaurants or kitchens. Well, right? you don't find you don't find tap rooms with kitchens. I mean, but obviously there are brew pubs that exist, um, and that there you know there have. I mean, that's all you could be when when uh, when Jersey first allowed for uh, for for breweries to open up. I mean, it was the ship in out in Milford, New Jersey, which was the first one and gaslight in South orange. And, you know, there's, uh, JJ biddings and Tum Tavern down in Atlantic city. I mean, all of these were brew pubs, uh, because the state, you know, said you had to be, and then, you know, the laws changed and tap rooms could open, but they couldn't serve food. But we've had a couple of brew pubs open up in Jersey in the last couple of years. There's uh, one called village, which is headed by a nice guy uh, named Mike Sella, who really cares about Cascale uh, and makes some great beers. That's out in Somerville. Um, there's a, a brewery called Alternate Ending, um, which is just over the Driscoll Bridge. And I, I haven't been down there yet, but I've heard uh, good things. And their their brewer, Brendan Arnold, uh, you know, came from a Kansas brewery that I was aware of, and uh, they were doing some good things. So, I mean, you can have food at uh, Jersey breweries if they have that license. Um if they have that brew pub license, which also allows them to sell liquor and, and, and wine and, and basically be a restaurant that also serves house-made beer. Um, but yeah, the, the restrictions that the New Jersey Alcohol Beverage Control uh, uh, put on small brewery tap rooms in the last couple of uh, uh, weeks um, is really, I think, detrimental to the industry and certainly um, isn't fair to the consumer and certainly is not fair to, you know, small businesses but the, so the brew pub's an option and does does that cap out the the production level or something i i don't believe that it, it i i'm not aware if it does but it, it also does put restrictions on distribution um and you also have the have to have the capital to buy a liquor license in the township that you want to be in because you're also going to be serving uh one liquor so you you need a traditional you know, state regulated liquor license, which, you know, here in the great garden state can you know, set you back a million bucks or more. So you need to have that, that capital just for that license right off the bat. And that's, you know, a lot of breweries don't have that. Um, especially when they're thinking about, you know, stainless and startup costs. John, you want to hear my New Jersey's, uh, alcohol authority story from 1992? Uh, yes. <laughs> so this has nothing to do with brewing licenses, but in 1992, I was getting started out and I worked for a little restaurant group in, in Manhattan in New York City. And across the river in New Jersey, someone, I'm not going to say the name of the, the place, someone was using the name of their restaurant. And I had to go and take pictures and take the, the Amtrak down to Trenton, New Jersey, which was my first time in Trenton, and go into the Alcohol Authority and uh, file a complaint. So um, that's about it. I don't remember what happened, but um, did, did 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 you win your case? I I was only the messenger. Um, okay. I was a young guy then, but it it was interesting just to think about it, and just even then how different it was uh, from one state to another. Um, and I'm sure that I want to go go back to all about beer because I'm wondering. Um, it, it's great news that you've taken it over. Thanks. And before we talk about the value of the archives and there's, there's articles that I still, that I still reference and want to pull up um, how much of, of, of these kind of things like legislation um, are you guys going to cover in, in all about beer? You know, it, it falls into the beer arena. So yeah. Um, as we've been slowly getting, our feet wet. So, I mean, just for background, uh, myself and Andy Crouch, who's another longtime uh, beer writer, 
we were able to to take over um, uh, the all about beer assets and acquire the assets from the previous owners Daniel John uh, Daniel Bradford and Julie Johnson and uh, that just happened um, at the tail end of this spring like right before uh, you know in late April um, and so getting a new website up and and sort of getting the 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 you know, <laughs> kicking the dust off of the place, which had been dormant for, uh, for the last uh, two, three years or so, um, has been a, a, a big but fun challenge. And so, yeah, um, we want to cover, and we we plan to because we're this is what interests us, uh, and it's what interests beer consumers. Yeah, we want to be covering legislation. We want to be covering the 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 issues that are important, uh, not only to beer professionals but to beer drinkers. And that was always the mission of all about beer, and it, it's not some that we take lightly so um, there's new articles going up on the site every week uh, you know we have the, the you know the podcasts obviously uh, with new ones launching even this week uh, as well with the new all about beer podcast um, so yeah there, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to be covering these things um, in a meaningful way and with the institutional knowledge that comes with all about beer uh, to write not only with current events but with context from what happened in the past Oh, man. This has been a great intro. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. I'm Chaba Perivan, co-host of Agave Road Trip on HRN, here to talk about 818 Tequila. 818 creates their tequila using traditional methods that a family-owned and operate distillery in Jalisco, Mexico. From the blue agave they grow to their recycled glass bottle, 818 emphasizes the Earth's importance in all they do. Their distillery runs on biomass and solar power, which means they don't rely as much on fossil fuels and are able to reduce their carbon footprint. Their labels, corks, and boxes are all certified by the Forest Stewardship Council as coming from sustainability-managed forests. 818 is a proud member of 1% for the Planet, through which they support HRN as well as Sacred. My organization in Jalisco, where together we transform agave byproducts and water waste into adobe bricks that are donated to local infrastructure projects, like a local library in Zapotitlan de Vadillo. Visit drink818.com to learn more about their sustainability efforts and find 818 near you. 818 has been part of so many magical nights for me, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. 818 Tequila, imported by 818 Spirits, Manhattan, New York. 40% alcohol by volume, drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Time for Lunch podcast. And one way that Heritage Radio Network has impacted me is it has given me the opportunity to sit down and talk with hundreds of people from all over the world and different cultures. And it is always eye-opening the things that I learn and get to share on Heritage Radio Network. HRN is home to transformative exchanges about food. We hope our diverse lineup of shows opens your eyes, educates, and empowers. Join us during our summer membership drive by donating and becoming a member. Members play an essential role in keeping nonprofit food radio on the air. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to become a member today. Thank you for your support. Hey, hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on Heritage Radio Network. Support us and become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. If you're not a member, there's a lot of really great swag that just came out, including hats and bags and some other things. So become a member at heritageradionetwork.org. So I'm talking with John Hall and Todd DiMatteo about the craft brewery cookbook. Um, Todd, I have a question for you. So we're going to get it really dive more into beer and food pairings. Um, I have a memory of a really unique beer and food pairing from the old days at Jimmy's number 43. And there was a customer uh, who was from Japan and we had Hitachino white on draft back then. It must've been 2006. And I had a, I had a dish on the menu. It was the English potted shrimp, which is kind of like you saute like uh, shallots and, in in butter and with the shrimp and it's all chopped up and it's and there's a lot of butter and it's put it's put in a little cup and it's chilled so you're kind of eating this english chilled shrimp uh with the white ale and that was something she came back for every week for like the year that we had it 
And even when I took it off the menu for years, she kept asking for it. But it was very- wait, 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 Jimmy. <laughs> I, I just I need to. So, so after you, so it's it's butter in a pan with finely diced shallots, and then you chop the shrimp and the shrimp, and then some seasoning. And okay, the whole, and then and then you chill it down. Yeah, you put it in a ramekin and chill it. Right, and then okay. then someone can eat it with a cracker. Um, but it, it goes way back. How, fi- how finely are we chopping the shrimp here? Uh, not not too fine, but 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 small pieces. Um, okay, it's something like in a, a James Beard kind of one of those old James Beard cookbooks. So okay, but it was just one of those moments when when you realize, wow, th- there are these pairings that are unique, and sometimes in a pub, you you wouldn't have ordered that on your own, you know, and, and, and it's not a large course, it's just a little taste. I'm just wondering if there's other things, either one of you, let's talk about specific food and beer pairings. I know it's the crux of your whole book, John, but let's talk more about it because it's really fun. Yeah, I want to hear from Todd, though, because they're doing this on a daily basis. And the the the, the chef that that Goodword has and uh, the kitchen staff that's there um, are just executing on the highest level night after night after night. And, you know, Todd is also putting out such a wide variety of beers. And in some cases, you know, a, a lot, in many cases, session beers, you know, 3% or less uh, ABV, 4% or less, um, which can have their own challenges when you're when you're pairing with food because sometimes you want some of that fuller body, some of that thicker mouthfeel um, to, to round out some dishes as well. So um, I, I'd love to know what you know has moved Todd at his place. Yeah, I mean, so if you look at our uh, beer menu, I've always kind of had it set up like I want something for basically everyone to come in and say, you know what. I'm not into this, but I love that or, or whatever it may be. Um, so we've always had a pretty broad um, base of styles and whatnot. As far as the menu goes, we've been so many different things from, you know, the start uh, back in 2017 until now. Uh, not just from like our own, you know, chef's personal evolution and how our beer has changed, but also like, you know, with seasons and then with the pandemic, we you know, did to go on. So things have changed and it's funny. Uh, the story you mentioned, Jimmy, with this person who came in and ate the uh, the potted shrimp, and I love the potato. By the way, uh, I I have so many stories of people who will complain about something not being on the menu because it was their <laughs> quote unquote favorite. So our menu our menu was also like seasonal, so you know every few months we're changing it. Uh, and it's funny, we just pulled off two desserts, right? Uh, this was on Tuesday. And we have this guest who remain uh, name, but she's awesome. Her and her husband come in all the time. But we had just taken it off and she was like, ah, I miss those desserts so much. And I'm like, <laughs> we literally just took this shit off. But it's funny, like I'm not out there, you know, uh, talking with the folks and hearing any quote unquote complaints. But being the person that runs the social media, I get this kind of stuff all the time. Same thing with like beers. It's like, when are you going to make such and such again? It's like, there's only so much time in the world to, to do this. But uh, yeah, as far as the pairings themselves go, you know, I, I look at when I'm making small beers and like, like John said, we make a lot of these uh, for the beer to have its own sort of uh, balance within the style um, anyway. And so I think for, uh, for Brian, our uh, chef, it's pretty easy to go like, you know, this is going to work really well with this beer dinner. Uh, first course or second course we're kind of careful as far as when we're planning out a, a five course beer dinner of like what beer is going to hit and when we try not to play it on the nose a lot of times and, and end with like a big sweet stout or barley wine um so sometimes we'll have have fun with like some kind of saison or something a little bit uh acidic or whatnot yeah that's the uh the kind of extent to my influence on the beer pairing as, as far as it goes at this point well, how about this? When you have in your saison or a beer right now, what's the first thing you want to grab for food and eat? You know, one dish or one bite. You don't have to have a whole beer dinner. Yeah. So we actually just transferred our house uh, saison today. And uh, I was just selling Clay's, my sister brewer, um, how fucking delicious this beer is. I'm like, we've been making this beer for a while. Uh, it's a simple saison. It's not, you know, some kind of mixed culture thing. It's not uh, acidic. We do acidify it a little bit with uh, phosphoric acid in the kettle. So the pH is a little bit lower, but it's not tart whatsoever. But anyway, it's a simple recipe with uh, pilsner malt, wheat, and spelt 
and then it's dry hop with some hops from uh, Howitzow. They're from uh, Sites Farm. We do a big group buy with about uh, six or eight other brewers uh, once a year and buy a shit ton of, of hops. But anyway, um, this beer is so fucking good. Like if, if if I was gonna pour one right now, I'm actually drinking drinking a Topo Chico. I would probably go out there and have it with uh, our burrata salad, which is still on the menu. Luckily, we're changing the menu soon, but Chef's only changing the setup. Uh, but the burrata, I'm sure you're familiar with, uh, you know, oh, yeah. delicious mo- uh, mozzarella-type cheese. It's one of my favorite things. It's exactly what I would go for right now. That's good. What about you, John? You're sitting there having a beer, uh, something you're craving. I am actually. I'm drinking Fiddlehead IPA right now out of Vermont. Um, I just wanted like a, you know, a, a good smack of hops at the end of the day today, and this happened to be in the fridge, and I'm I'm glad that I I grabbed it. Um, but as we started talking about food, I I, and again, it sort of goes counter to what I was <laughs> saying, where uh, beer has gotten uh, healthier and lighter. Um, I want really good buffalo wings right now. I want like oh, proper man. buffalo wings with a with a with a proper uh, vinegary, tangy pepper sauce uh, on there. A good buffalo sauce, um, you know. Or you can also taste the butter coming off of the uh, coming off the wings. And uh, yeah, I, I mean IPAs and, and and chicken wings. I think have have always been uh, and hot wings have always been a, uh, a a good staple and a good go to. And yeah, if I could somehow magically leave my home office and walk upstairs and have a, a plate there with some soggy uh, celery and limp carrot sticks and some ranch. <laughs> yeah, man, I would, I'd be, I'd be all for it. No, it sounds great. I know spicy goes with uh, IK, but man, you said hot wings. I fucking love hot wings. I go hot wings and Hellas, you know, like yeah. low, low bitterness to something like wash it away. Just you know, keep me hydrated as I gorge yeah. myself on, uh, on hot wings. No, it's 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 always been the West Coast IPA for me. With that, it's yeah. um, it's just sort of my indulgent, yeah. Well, and John, also in, in your book, you have um, the mussels recipe with Jack's Jack's Abbey, uh, his yep. Alice Lager, and it's it's got a little hint of jug. It's just like a hot, spicy uh, Middle Eastern yeah. thing. It might it sounds yeah. to me like a harissa too, which I've had, which is yep. like a pepper paste. I think that's close to it. I think that that that's a fair that's fair. Yeah, and so you're yeah. talking about the spice again with the Hellas. You can do and, and again it goes back to what I'm saying before. It, it it's you can come up with pairings and I love when people share pairings that have worked for them in the past that sound, you know, a little odd or a little different. And then you try it and you're like, oh yeah, it works. And that's really been the cool thing about beer, especially as, you know, beer is a culinary achievement. And I say that in the book, but it's one of these things where, you know, beer itself is a meal. You know, we, we, we go back to the, to the liquid bread days. We go back to, um, you know, talking about all of these, these great flavors and the flavor profiles that, that a beer can give off just from the four main ingredients to say nothing of all of the, you know, the adjuncts and everything else that can go into it. And, and yeah, that have a Hellas, have a West coast IPA, you know, like, like, screw it like go try a you know a, a triple like why not like it, it it's gonna be good no matter what um there's just gonna be you know varying degrees of how good it is on somebody's palate yeah so todd talking about going down to metro atlanta and to, to your spot in duluth georgia in november um your little tell us about the Le Bon fest because my notes say that it's a saison and mixed culture beer and oyster event now pairings yeah. with oyster and beer i'm ready that's classic i mean that's easy yeah yeah um so yeah you, you uh sound like you started to say little beer which is also another event we've been doing for uh two years now that's a lager event in april um so le bon actually i just heard last night from our great city of duluth here that city council approved this event which is fucking great amazing <laughs> Yeah, we've been, uh, you know, I've been secretly planning for a minute and talking about it a little bit, but uh, they're co-sponsoring, so they're pretty strict about, you know, me getting out there too much with it. But, um, but anyway, uh, it's funny, the name uh, Le Bon is uh, from Alan Gordon, who's uh, one of the head brewers over at Jack Yo's. We're sitting at a beer dinner. Um, I think it was a shilling beer dinner for a little beer. We're at a table and uh, we're all having fun and you know, drinking and eating good. 
I'm talking about this event. I'm like, yeah, I don't know what to call it. And he's like, uh, how about you call it uh, Alan Gordon's uh, bon. He talks to us like this. When you meet him, you'll be like, damn, that was a great uh, impersonation. <laughs> Good impression, Todd. Yes. Yeah. So I was uh, close to calling it AF's Le Bon, but I thought it was going to be confusing. So anyway, um, Le Bon is going to be around 25 to 30 different Saison uh, mixed culture makers. Um, and some and some lager, most likely, just so I can come along and play in my own event. We have some stuff uh, that we're going to try and release uh, from barrels, maybe in time for the event. But anyway, we'll have some really uh, great folks coming from all around the country. We're going to do a beer dinner that Thursday uh, on uh, November the third with uh, Garden Path. Ron Extract will be here. Oh man! Um, yeah, yeah. So he'll have three beers, and we'll do two beers from us and uh, some kind of welcome beer. And, and, you know, we'll have uh, our chef, Brian Crane, talking through each of the five courses. Um, and then you know, Ron and I will talk through uh, each of the um, the beers that we're pouring and all that kind of stuff. So that's the uh, weekend of November 5th. But how do the oysters play? You know, where do you yes. get the oysters from and why oysters right, right. at the event? I mean, Nebraska, right? Yes. <laughs> the middle of the country. <laughs> I don't want the actually, oysters. Actually, yeah. I, 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 I'm making that joke, but there in the book, there's a shrimp recipe that comes from Nebraska uh, because they're doing farm-raised shrimp out there these days, and it's apparently like huge, um, huge industry and and aquaculture. So um, exactly, yeah. Sorry, I was I was trying to no. make a joke, and I inadvertently uh, uh, fucked myself over no, with that John, by you, being like, you, "No, idiot!" You like, obviously. Yeah clued us in and now i'm i'm curious about i'm gonna read that recipe too in your book so yeah that's right. i like it we always have time for a good joke john always. oysters oysters from the heartland yeah yes i want the oysters not flown in but you know mulled in bring them on a, a Those are for their prairie but, uh, oysters, right? put, them, put them on the end oh, okay. put them on the put them on the on the on the on the delay prone amtrak <laughs> and uh that's what you want yeah john if you're talking yeah, pra- warm oh, wait, guys prairie oysters okay i got a good story so and i have the list of my my two most okay when i first started the industry whatever 30 years ago i was first exposed to wine and and wine the wine dinners the best ones had a formula and they seemed to always end with foie gras and everyone kind of knew the progression, you know, from lighter wine to a, a darker wine or whatever. But with, with beer, I haven't really seen that in this country, but I was very lucky. It might've been eight or 10 years ago when Be United brought over, it was two years in a row, two different uh, chefs from breweries in Germany. One year it was Schlenkerla. They came with their, their chef. And the next year hmm. was Snyder which is Snyder Weiss with their chef. And the anecdote I have is talking about prairie oysters is that one, I can't remember which, which chef it was, but he had sent over in advance the, the, the menu for Jimmy's number 43. And when I was sourcing from, you know, butchers and meat purveyors, one item was the, um, the veal testicles. And I was like, okay, it was, it was testicle carpaccio. That's what it was. So, um, I asked around and I was basically told that, that, that we couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. So I, I wrote back to the German chef and I says, well, what should I substitute for the testicle carpaccio? And he said, guess what he said? It's a punchline. I've used it before. No guesses? Veal, no. veal brisket. <laughs> so he made a veal brisket carpaccio instead. But I think that's Son a funny a story. But, but that, that, that's back to this whole beer dinner thing is that you know, at the at both of these traditional German breweries, Schlenkeler and Schneider, they have a they have a chef, and they they've have they have their set menus that they do for these beer dinners, and they're they're kind of fabulous. So, um, it it's just a a thought about how everyone tries to be so creative. I feel like it's what you said, Todd, about how you know craft the, the beers themselves went through so much creativity and pushed all the boundaries. But, you know, maybe 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 that's what this book's going to do, John, is is help people realize, wow, there are certain classic pairings and and and, and certain amazing foods that we can serve with our beer. And, and maybe we'll start getting some uh, almost typical beer dinners that are really outstanding. That That's probably yeah. my my wish. And, you know, I, for a long time, it was beer was trying to compete with high-end wine dinners and you know cocktail dinners and you know white linen 
napkins and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's fine. And I, and I, and I've had really outstanding beer dinners, um, where the chefs have pulled out all the stops and flown in specialty ingredients. And, and it does make for a memorable evening, but equally as memorable are the really simple pairings. You know, when you go to you know, Belgium, for example, and you're just eating like a Flemish stew, you know, you're eating something that, you know, has roots in the old world, um, has been, the recipe has been passed down for generations and it just, it tastes like comfort. And that's what I think beer does in a lot of ways as well. You know, you, you open up a beer at a certain time and it's going to offer comfort. It's going to offer familiarity. And so if you can pair with something that is familiar um, and just sort because we all need a hug right now right i mean we all need you know just just a fucking break after the last couple of years um yeah we don't need fancy we need comfort and we need sustenance and we need flavor and you know i i i want to see a little bit more of that so what's your what's your oh, hug, what's your hug beer and food <laughs> Oh, it's it's usually just a a, a a second and then maybe a third beer. <laughs> it, it reminds me of drinking quads way back in the day, St. Bernardus <laughs> quads or something like that. Um, yeah, a, I mean that's that's a hug that turns into a hammer to the head. That's the what is it the 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 iron fist and the velvet glove. <laughs> but back to Todd. So your oysters. So I don't want to put you on the yeah. spot, but sorry, pal. No, because yeah, we know. totally derailed you on that. Well, yeah. it, it, we were seg- no, that's right. We were segueing, but that's what what it was about. It was you know? No, what, I was what, taking notes on where to get oysters. Yeah, what's typical? I was writing it down, Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> what was typical? Yes. And, and beer with oysters yeah. is is a classic. Oh, totally. So yeah, the uh, idea behind Le Bon is, uh, you know, like I said, 25, 30 uh, world-class mixed culture producers. We're going to have barbecue and folk music and um, the oysters come in play because we're actually going to have at least half a dozen uh, oyster farmers from the Southeast here on site, like showcasing their oysters. Um, And the event is actually a charity event for an organization called Oyster South, which, um, supports aquaculture here in the, the southeast um so yeah um like i said that's gonna be november 5th um tickets will probably go on sale in the next like month or so I, i'm hoping I'm trying to like pull it all together now it's funny the first little beer we were planning it for the following year and we talked to the city about it a little bit and they're like well if you want to do this lager thing you could actually do it on this date and it was seven weeks to the day and we pulled it together not that it was some crazy thing, but it was kind of this like cool little vibey kind of thing that had some, you know, legs. We were like, cool people love lager. We're going to keep doing this. And the second one was really dope. So I'm hoping that uh, this first Le Bon falls somewhere uh, in the middle. Um, but yeah, hopefully something we can do every year. But it'll be on our little uh, downtown green here in uh, downtown Duluth. It's a big stage and same spot we set up with Little Beer. So we're taking that same DNA and just, you know, including food. Like I said, oysters and barbecue, and then changing the beer up from just being lager to you know celebrating saison. The other lost little bit of what we love. No man, and, and I gotta say, Duluth, Georgia, is a town that is just charming as all get out. Like I, I enjoyed every minute that I was in that town. It felt like it, it, it's a modern town, like, but it has this historic architecture to it. It's got this wonderful town square to it. Uh, it's easy walking. People are friendly. Like it feels like, you know, Mayberry in the way that like, you know, us, us like Northeasterners, you know, think of, of the South in, in, in a way, but not like hokey or anything. Like it's just, it, it was delightful to be there. And I'm excited about getting back for a little beer next year. So anybody who has the chance to go to Duluth, um, and I'm not alone in saying that, um, everybody that I ran into in Atlanta and they're like, oh, wow, you were up at Todd's place. That's really cool. I wish it was just a little bit closer because it's just far enough away from, from Atlanta um, where like people have to commit to going but they wish that they could be there more and that's i I think that's a cool compliment for for a town yeah i'll take it well you guys have made something great man you're really doing a great job todd so your anniversary is coming up um wow what is how how long have you been open now five years yeah it feels like a lot longer (laughs) i think everybody who's been open since before 2020 uh We'll say that, but uh, yeah, five years. And we started this idea about 
seven, eight years ago. I mean, the original idea was we we're going to do another brick store somewhere. That was kind of, we're going to do this beer bar. Those guys are going to be our partners, but me and Ryan had started homebrewing. So once I started homebrewing, I was like, man, it just seems kind of, I don't say boring because running a business is fucking hard, but we knew, <laughs> we knew oh, beer so well and like curating beer and all that. It was just like, and that's not, it, it is hard. It is a challenge, especially to do it all the time. It, it's not boring. I shouldn't have said that, but it's, yeah, I wanted a new challenge uh, for myself personally. And so once we started homebrewing like crazy and visiting every brewery that would let us inside, uh, there was no turning back. And so we had to do a brew pub. Um, but yeah, so we're turning five and I'm actually getting all of our uh, beer dinners lined up between now and uh, and uh, for a little beer. And it's pretty cool. Uh, John, if you can make it out, it makes me super dope. We're hopefully going to have Lisa from uh, Heater Allen here for the um, the little beer um, beer dinner. But we're trying yeah, to no, get I'm, things off with. Yeah, you're coming. I'm I'm coming. We talked about it. I got I know, I, I, I want to make an email. Sure. Like, yeah, no, it's you know. I love it. I, I've, let's, talked, cool. I've talked to Andy about it. All about it. All let, about beer. Little is beer in. next yeah. next year it. in the spring. Yes. Okay. Yep. April fifteenth. I don't think you appreciate. I don't think you appreciate how busy Lisa Allen is, Jimmy. She she schedules like years in advance now at this point. Wow. Yeah. I, I was looking back at, at <laughs> I, I was looking back at some that's true. show photos and and a, a couple of cool brewers had Heater Allen uh, t-shirts on last year. Hey, talk about cool people and beer. Last summer um, seemed like the, the the beer of summer that I was seeing a lot was the Italian style pills. And I know you made one, Todd. What yeah. for you and John? What is the beer of summer twenty twenty two or style beer style? Because last summer, everyone made an Italian style Pilsner, and I love them. What's this year's style? I, yeah. I mean, hopeful thinking, it's the summer of cream ale. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay. I like that. Um, but I, I think this is the summer of cold IPA. Oh, really? I See, do. I would say the summer of uh, English ale in general. I've been noticing so many – I swear, so many brewers are making English ales. I'm like, this is crazy. I thought, you know, we do it because I love English beer, and they pair so well with food. Uh, but I'm seeing people brew them all the time. I'm like, that's fucking dope. Like, who would have thought that all these milds and uh, bitters are jumping off? Like, we used to get people who were reaching out saying, hey, let's do a collab. Let's make a fucking hazy IPR. Let's throw some fruit in this thing. And now people are like, hey, man, uh, let's do a fucking bitter. I'm like, okay, yes, let's definitely do a fucking bitter. Let's do a fucking bitter. Well, you know, I, yeah, I, I've been reading a, That's a another, pretty good name for a beer. Another book, John, that I'm sure you know is <laughs> yeah. um, Martin Cornell's Amber and Black. And uh, I always just poke through books, and it talks about the the origins of bitter and mild. But Todd, you've got um, you know cask beer is is on your list, and and the English style beers. So just just tell us more. You really seeing more of these milds and bitters? Yeah, I mean I I see them more in our pub because we have them all the time. We have uh, <laughs> we have four English beers on at any given time. But yeah, I, I definitely want to talk about cask beer a little bit. You know, it's funny because the beer engines. Like John mentioned, there's not a, a ton of place, places that are doing them. Brickstore has um, four engines. We've got two. And I think there's a handful of place around, uh, places around town that are doing them. But, you know, we, we were doing so many that we had Brickstore, like, buy us 24 uh, pins just for their needs. So we have around 30 pins that we fill, you know, every you know four to six weeks and about 12 persons, which are the larger 10.8 gallons that we fill every four to six weeks as well. And so, yeah, I mean... We, we sell a handful every week, a handful of pens, but uh, we make a fucking shitload of cask beer, and people are asking us, you know, all the time we had somebody uh, email me earlier this morning, like, hey, can you send us some cask beer? And it's like, I just don't send it out, unless it's brick store, because it's yeah. just hard to, you know, sell it that properly, plus putting it on a truck and having it shipped to another state or whatever. It's just a lot. Plus the cooperage. I mean, those little pens, they're stainless steel, and like 250 bucks a pop, and I don't want to, like, start sending them out, and then, yeah. you know, but never losing them, them but the, the, yeah. the, pens, the pens were a huge innovation, right? Because the Firkins were just way too big, uh, at least for they are huge Cascale in this country. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, Brickstore prefers that size, but we with our little box, we have two uh engines. We can't we can only fit one Firkin in there, so instead of that, we just put two pens in there. But it goes great for us, man. You know, it's funny is we've gotten some um excitement for something beers we're doing and i'll have people reach out asking about you know beer engines like how do you make cast beer 
or, or whatever. And it's awesome. Like, I love that because coming from someone who's a home brewer and who would literally, I could show you three or four different um, text threads that I've had for years that I'm just like bugging the shit out of brewers where I'm like, this is a smart brewer. I'm going to ask him every question uh, I can possibly do. So to now be, I don't call myself smart because I'm not, but to be in a, uh, a zone where people are asking my opinion, it makes me feel proud as a, a brewer who's you know, worked real hard. Oh, yeah. Anyway, and then gas beer, yay. And John, you, cream ale. So your wish, wish is cream <laughs> ale. I, you know, I, it's just, it's refreshing. It's uh, it's Americana in a can. It's 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 what you drink when you don't want to think because it's 104 degrees outside. It's, you know, uh, yeah. And, and what, I don't know, Jimmy. Like, everybody asks these questions, like, <laughs> what's the next big thing? Or where's it going to happen? Like, well, I, well, I don't mine know, wasn't man. the next big thing. Mine was what was happening now, but that's okay. I don't know. Todd, 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 <laughs> Todd was more me. thoughtful with his answer, and I'm going to uh, amend my answer and say that I'm, I'm with Todd, that it is indeed <laughs> classic English-style ales. Because um, he's not wrong, because there are brewers that, you know, are – you know, putting ESPs on tap and like, like what a time to be alive again, where, you know, these things are on, you know, on draft and you can enjoy them and um, they're well-made and yeah. Well then, I don't know. John, last yeah. thing, just tell us about yes, he Heater Allen. Cause again, I, I've never tried the beers. <laughs> I've heard a lot about them. I know you've got uh, one of their recipes in, in your book, in the book, craft yeah. brewery cookbook. Um, just quick thing about Heater Allen and Lisa. They are they are one of the top craft lager producers in the United States by a country mile. Oh yeah, I mean that, that, that's it. Like, go to McMinnville, Oregon. Go drink their beer. Um, get it when you can. Appreciate it for what it is. It's not going to light your hair on fire. It's not going to be one of these like. <gasps> This is the best beer I've It's just you can appreciate the craftsmanship. You can appreciate the quality of detail. And then you can just continue on with your conversations with your friends because this beer is just happy to be in your hand and then, you know, in your gullet. Like it's just it's 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 damn fine beer. And yeah, I love their beer. I agree. Yeah. They just won gold for one of the loggers, uh, Lee Allen at um We'll yeah, it's the same beer back. that we named the number one beer at Wine Enthusiast last year. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah. A, you know, 100-point uh, score in, in, in Wine Enthusiast. So, yeah. Well, that's great. You know what it reminds me of? We're going to close out soon. The old Michael Jackson book. I don't even know the name of it, but I still have it with all the pictures in it. And it's probably the first, greatest beers. first beer book I had. And um, there's a picture of – it's either a pub or a little brewery in England – that the the catch line was that sometimes the road or the bridge to it gets flooded and people still stay there and keep drinking. <laughs> and I don't know if you either one of you remembers that. I don't know if it was Adnams or something else, but whenever I just what you were saying about going to Heater Allen, I'm I'm just imagining that story and, and that picture of of an old brewery or pub that's so comfortable and um I don't know if it resonates with you guys and I'm not the writer that you are, John, but it's, it's worth thinking about. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, it, where we drink and who we're drinking with is so critically important to enjoying good beer and, and good food as well. I mean, you can have, uh, uh, you know, a, a world-class meal, but if it's served to you at, uh, you know, a dirty truck stop in the middle of nowhere, like it's not going to taste as good. It's not going to be as, me it's going to be memorable for the wrong reasons kind of thing. You know, where we drink and who we're with, uh, create these great experiences. And Todd has done that with his team down at, down at Goodward. Uh, Lisa has done that there, uh, at, 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 at Heater Allen. Um, and, and, there's so many more folks who are thinking about beer and food that way, or just the beer experience that way, um, that it's been a fun evolution of beer as opposed to, Hey, we're in a warehouse in a dingy part of town and your car is probably being broken into right now. Um, but here's our IPA that maybe has diastole in it. Like we've moved on beyond that. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's a great time to be a, to be a beer drinker, go support your local breweries, go support your local restaurants, you 
know, fight for what's right against, you know, uh, authoritative uh, state governments that think that they know better, um, you know, or, or in the pockets of, of, of the wrong people. Um, support your local breweries. You know, they we said it at the beginning of the pandemic. We said it before the pandemic. Um, and we're saying it now. And get out there, go experience and get off your phones, get off of untapped, you know, reconnect with yourself, with your friends, with your beer. Um, just have fun, experience flavor. And so and I don't know. What, we're, we're I, gonna... <laughs> I, I feel like this became like an opinion show all of a sudden. No, when, it's, it's you know, great. I'm trying to talk it somebody re- off of the bridge and it's me. Um, it it yeah. reminded me that I haven't said fuck untapped this episode, Jimmy. So uh, fuck untapped. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder, John. That's why I'm here, pal. Okay. Well, now just because it's the news, I don't usually talk news, but again, this, this thing about New Jersey and the taproom laws, um, I remember when I, Jimmy, are you taking out your recycling? What is happening? <laughs> About eight, eight years ago, that's my empty water bottle. I don't know. Whatever it was, the first time I went to a South Jersey brewery, um, it was back when the laws was you had to sign up for the the tour. So I remember yeah. before I could get a beer, I had to sign up for the tour. And then as I was going in for the tour, that's when I got my beer. And then I could stay and still drink. Um, yeah. So I guess that, that does that did impact the way I thought about that brewery, and exactly what you're saying about who you're with and where it's not you their are. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like I really want to have to go and get a tour every time I want to get a pint at a brewery in New Jersey. Um, so I'm I just wanted to call that out because I know that people have been talking about it, and um, yeah, that's it. So. <laughs> But thank you, John. I want to thank you so much for coming on and Todd. It was just kind of kismet that that John was at Todd's a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about porters with Todd and Lou Bryson. So, yeah. And I'm glad we're talking about food. I I, I think that when we talk about food, it, it also brings you to talk about the place you're in and the experience and hospitality. And um, it it's, doesn't always have to be glitzy. It, it It's probably that comfortable shoe that you have sometimes is the, is the best place to get a drink. Um, so thank you guys for coming on. Big thanks to Todd and John for joining me here on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks to our engineer, Armas Benjamin and producing intern, Alex Tran. I'm Jimmy Carboni. We'll catch you next time on Heritage Radio Network. All right, guys. Woo, thank you. Cheers, Jimmy. Thank you. Beer Sessions Radio is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.